you have your Bibles this morning, and you would, find 2 Samuel chapter 16. And we have been looking at a house divided. Uh, We have been looking at David at his lowest point. If you remember back in chapter 15, uh, King David's son had led a rebellion against him, turned the nation against him, and uh, David decides that we cannot stand in this time, and so we must flee. And then we looked last week about David's escape and those who went with him and, and those who were there with him. And we looked at a, a man by the name of Ahithophel who uh, sided with David's son. And the Bible says that Ahithophel, it was like hearing directly from God. Uh, when he spoke, it was the word of God. You could take it to the bank. And so David has been betrayed by his son. He has been betrayed by his closest advisor, and he is fleeing for his life. And this morning, I don't know what you're going through. I have no idea what your marriage is like, what your children are like, what the situations that you are facing in relationships. But this morning, I want you to see that a house divided can happen to all of us. Now, we can come into church and act like our family doesn't have any problems that we don't have those family members that wish we we could trade for nothing in return. But all of us have issues. Every family has problems. Every marriage goes through seasons. Every church has its up and downs. But this morning I want to talk to you about, even though David and his son were having this conflict, there were other people involved. And this morning you need to know when you are in the valley, when you are going through the difficulties, even though it might be with you and someone else, or you and yourself, or you and someone at work, you need to know that it's probably not just going to stay in that close circle. We all know that people never talk bad about each other. We all know that people never get on Facebook and publicly humiliate other people. We, we know that the old guys at the coffee shop don't sit around and gossip about everybody, right? We, we all know that. And that's not true. And friends, what you need to know is when your marriage hits rock bottom, there will be people who are trying to influence it that aren't of the Lord. When churches have problems, there will be people who try to influence it that don't have the Lord's best interests at heart. When you're at work and you have problems with a boss or a co-worker, you need to know that there will be people who are in your circle that will not have your best in mind. And I say that today because I want to show you two verses about Satan and how he influences his followers. In John chapter 8, verse 44, You are of your father the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie... He speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. I want you to take notes of liar. The second thing the Bible talks about Satan in Revelation chapter 12, Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come for the accuser of the brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. The accuser and the liar. 
the liar and the false accuser. And you might be like, Jake, what does this have to do with King David and me in my difficulties? Friends, you need to understand that lost people are going to lie to you. Lost people are going to make false accusations. And sometimes they don't have to be fallen, they just have to be backslidden. And so today I hope that I can show you how to be on guard, how to stand in the difficult moments of life. And so if you would pray with me, and we'll begin. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, I pray that you would forgive me. Lord, you know that I am totally incapable of doing the task that is before me. And so, Lord, I pray that you would speak, that you would move, that you would work all for your glory. Father, please do not leave me here on my own. Lord, I just pray that you would be glorified in all that is said and done. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So we see here, starting in chapter 16, that David was lied to. And today you could underline David and write your name in there. Look what it says in verses 1 through 4. When David was a little past the top of the mountain, there was Ziba, the servant of Mephibosheth, who met him with a couple of saddled donkeys and on them two hundred loaves of bread, one hundred clusters of raisins, one hundred summer fruits, and a skin of wine. And the king said to Ziba, What do you mean to do with these? So Ziba said, The donkeys are for the king's household to ride on, the bread and summer fruit for the young men to eat, and the wine for those who are faint in the wilderness to drink. Then the king said, And where is your master's son? And Ziba said to the king, Indeed, he is staying in Jerusalem. For he said, Today the house of Israel will restore the kingdom of my father to me. So the king said to Ziba, Here, all that belongs to Mephibosheth is yours. And Ziba said, I humbly bow before you that I may find favor in your sight, my lord, O king. Now Ziba was a servant of Mephibosheth. And if you remember, Mephibosheth was the son of Jonathan. Jonathan and David loved each other more than any two human beings on the, on the planet at that time. They were close as brothers. They were there for each other. And Mephibosheth, when his grandfather and father died, his made his nurse was carrying him and dropped him and maimed his legs. He was a cripple. He was unable to fight. He was unable to walk. He was unable to serve. He had to be totally and completely taken care of. And when Saul and Jonathan died, most people would have murdered their entire family so that no one could retaliate down the road. But if you remember, David went to Mephibosheth and said, you are like one of my own children. You will eat at my table. You will be adopted into my family. What I have, you have. I will give you all the land of your father and grandfather. You are blessed and you are coming to my table. And here comes Ziba and says, that guy who you had loved, you cared for, you took care of, he says he's going to wait in Jerusalem because maybe they'll make him king. Can you imagine David? His son had betrayed him. His closest advisor had betrayed him. And the person that he had extended the most mercy and grace to. What we realize, if you've got a Bible and you've read ahead, is this isn't true. Mephibosheth had not betrayed David. Ziba lied to David. 
Ziba lied about all that was going on. And this morning I want you to see that because when you and I are down, when you and I are hurt, when you and I are in a difficult position, David believed him. David says, fine then. Everything that I gave to him, you can have. And in that moment, let's be honest, when we're upset, all of us believe the first thing that we hear. The first thing that makes us feel better about ourselves. That's why the Bible tells us in the book of Proverbs chapter 18, the first one to plead his case seems right until his neighbor comes and examines him. You see, as believers, you and I must practice discernment. We don't believe what someone tells us about someone else until we first find out for ourselves. I've pastored long enough to know, I've heard people say, well, well, Jake, I, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to serve in this capacity. I, you know, I'm just tired of it. I don't want to. Hey, that's great. I go uptown. Some be like, hey, why'd you force so-and-so to step down? Well, I did not know that was the case. But if you'd like to come and talk to this committee or that committee or this person, then they could clarify what really happened. But let's be honest. Don't we listen to the first thing we hear? We listen to the first rumor that spread. We listen to the first bad thing that's said about our enemies. And what David does is he passes judgment without knowing the facts. And Christian, when you are down, whether it's your marriage, when you and your spouse are really struggling, and someone comes to you and says, well, you know what I heard him say. Or someone at work says, well, you know what I heard her say. Look up here. Don't believe the first thing you hear. That is why after 11 years I have received plenty of emails, letters, Facebook messages about the terrible job that I am doing. And I can promise you if you send a letter and do not write your name, I'm going to throw it in the trash. Just the way it is. Just like if I hear you're, that you're upset with me from someone else. It's not my problem. But if you come to me and say, Pastor, I'm concerned. Pastor, I'm upset. If you send me a message or a letter with your name on it, I will read it and evaluate it. And I'll ask others, hey, is this true? Did, did I say that? Did I do that? And I'll apologize. But friends, when you are down and out, Satan will try to convince you with lies that you're not good enough, that your husband's not faithful, that your wife cannot change, that your prodigals can't be saved, that your job is a dead end. Satan will lie to you about what's going on in your life. And so you have to believe and find out the truth. The second thing we see here from this passage of Scripture is that David was falsely accused. David was falsely accused. Verse 5 it says, Now when King David came to Baruim, there was a man from the family of the house of Saul. So one of Saul's family members... Right, who is upset about the change of the guard, who wishes his family was still in power, whose name was, whose name was Shimei, the son of Gera, coming from there. He came out cursing continuously as they came. And he threw stones at David and all the servants of King David and all the people and all the mighty men who were at their right hand and on his left. And... Shimei said to thus when he cursed, Come out, come out, you bloodthirsty man, you rogue. The Lord has brought upon you all the blood of the house of Saul, in whose place you have reigned. 
And the Lord has delivered the kingdom into the hand of Absalom your son. So now you are caught in your own evil because you are a bloodthirsty man. So not only has David's son betrayed him, David's closest advisor has betrayed him. He's leaving the city and the person he had helped the most betrays him. And here is some yo-yo who is cursing him, is throwing stuff at him, who is mocking him. It is utter humility. And here David goes. But I want you to see something from this passage of Scripture. David was definitely a man who had shed blood. If you remember, he was not allowed to build the temple because of all the wars that he had fought in. And if you remember, he had taken Uriah the Hittite's life. But what he was being accused of was killing and murdering Saul. Friends, all of us have pasts. All of us make mistakes. All of us fall short of the glory of God. But probably the worst feeling in the world is when you get credit for something stupid that you actually didn't do. I mean, i got lots of stupid things that I do. I've got my own sins that I struggle with. But when I hear something that I know is not true, it like sucks the life out of you. And what we see here is David has been falsely accused. If you remember how David had loved Saul, David is playing the harp for King Saul. King Saul takes a spear, throws it at him. David moves, it's stuck in the wall. Now what does David do? He flees. You know what I'm doing? If I'm a shepherd, if I'm a better spear thrower than Saul, pop, boom, right back at you. But David didn't. Remember when Saul went into the cave to relieve himself and David and all his men were in the back of that cave? And they said, now's your chance. Literally, get him while his pants are down. Right here it is. David says, no, I will not touch the Lord's anointed. And then another time, Saul and his men are sleeping in a camp and they sneak down and they get right next to him. They could have took his life. And David says, nope, no harm can come to him. David had extended mercy and mercy and mercy, but yet while he's leaving, what is he saying? You're the reason that Saul's kingdom fell. You're the reason that Saul was ruined. Tonight I want you to hear this this morning because you need to know something. Satan will not only lie to you, he will convince you of false accusations. He'll say, you know what, you've not been a very good husband. There's no reason to try because you're always going to be that way. Friends, that's a false accusation. Well, your kids, you know, they're grown now and they're prodigals and they're running from God. There's there's no way they can ever return. Satan will bring those things to your mind that you're not good enough, that you're not capable, that you have been a failure. And what you need to know is they're false accusations. That's why we confess our sins. Lord, forgive me for my temper. Lord, forgive me for my pride. Lord, forgive me for these things. Because we know what? That Jesus forgives us. The Bible says He forgives us from all of our unrighteousness. But friends, I want to say this this morning. Be careful who you listen to. And be careful who you talk to. Because if you're not careful, you can be a part of spreading false accusations. Listen to what Proverbs 23 verse 1 says. You shall not circulate a false report. Do not put your hand with the wicked to an unrighteous witness. Church, we should be willing to forgive. We should be willing to give people the benefit of the doubt. We should be willing to say that, yes, so-and-so told me that, but I'm 
you know, I just don't know if that's true or not. I'm not sure if that's a lie or that's a false accusation because ultimately we don't know the heart. You don't know the heart of why I've made my mistakes. I don't know the heart behind why you've made your mistakes. And so we see here that David was lied to, David was falsely accused, and third and finally, David had a choice to make. I hope that you will see the significance of how this correlates to Satan and Jesus. Even where he is traveling is how Jesus would have traveled. Right? The Bible says that Jesus was lied about. They made up things about Him. But yet He did not answer them. The Bible tells us that they mocked Him. They, they, they lied. They false accused Him. But yet what? How did He respond? And David had a choice here. And this morning I want you to know something, that all of us are guilty from time to time of saying, if they're going to treat me that way, I can be worse. Oh, they shouldn't have poked the bear. Now I'm worked up. But I want to show you how David reflects the mercy and grace of Jesus in this response. Starting in verse 9, Then Abishai, the son of Zariah, said to the king, Why should this dead dog curse my lord the king? Please let me go over and take off his head. Zariah is Joab's brother. These are warriors. These are men who had been in the wilderness with David. They had been in the battles. They had been in every situation. They even murdered a man in the street, if you remember. And he says, David, you don't don't deserve this. Let me go take this man's head and shut him up. I know you don't feel this way, but part of me thinks, man, I wish he was on my team. I mean, I wish I had someone that loyal, someone that faithful. Man, you need something? Where do we hide the body? That's what he says. I'll take care of it, David. You're the king. The king shouldn't go through this. The king shouldn't have to deal with this. This is not fair. We've probably got some people like that in our lives. Well, you don't need to forgive your spouse. Jake, you know what they're like. Well, you don't have to forgive those people you go to church with. You know what they're like. It's not wrong for you to lose your temper. You know what those people you work with is like. David had every legal reason to have this man murdered. But listen to the saying in verse 10. But the king said, What have I to do with you, you sons of Zariah? So let him curse because the Lord has said to him, curse David. Who then shall say, why have you done so? And David said to Abishai and all his servants, see how my son who came from my own body seeks my life? How much more now may this Benjamite let him alone and let him curse? For so the Lord has ordered him. It may be that the Lord will look upon my affliction, don't miss this, and that the Lord will repay me with good for His cursing this day. And as David and his men went along the road, Shimei went along the hillside opposite him and cursed as he went and threw stones at him and kicked up dust. I want to stop right there just for a moment. David says, don't worry about it. The Lord knows my heart. The Lord knows what I'm going through. You remember what Jesus prayed? Lord, let this cup pass from me. But if it not, 
Think about Jesus on the cross. Father, destroy them. No. Father, forgive them. The entire Christian faith is built upon this simple truth that you and I are sinners and we deserve hell and we deserve the judgment of God. But we have a God who loves us so much that He knew every sin that we would ever commit and said, I want a relationship with them. I want them to be with me forever in heaven. I want them to experience my goodness and my mercy and my grace, but yet they cannot earn it. And so I'm going to do what no other person would do. I'm going to send my only begotten Son to die on the cross to take my sin and yours that when we repent of our sins and call upon the name of the Lord, we can and we shall be saved. And what David says is, the Lord must have allowed it. But I trust that whatever difficulty I go through today, the Lord will repay it. I feel this way a lot, especially in ministry. A lot of times I'm like, Lord, I want to do anything else. Lord, I'm ready to do anything else. Anything else. Anything where I can wear my bibs and not be around people. That's all I want in life, Lord. Bibs and no people. And I'll pray and I will pray and I'll be like, Lord, I'm I'm overweight, I'm not healthy. they, They get someone better and the Lord has to remind me. Even though I don't ask Him to. You don't do what you do for people. You do what you do for me. And David recognizes something. These people weren't the reason he was king. God was. These people, whether they were with him or against him, were not his hope. Whether your spouse is faithful or unfaithful, whether your children are committed or uncommitted, whether your work is Christ-honoring or divisive, the reason that we do what we do is because of Him. He who lives within us. Now, I don't want to spoil the end of this story, but I can't help myself, all right? Proverbs 16, verse 32 says it like this. He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. God wants you to be under self-control. God wants you to quit flying off the handle. God wants you to quit screaming at people in traffic. God wants you to be controlled, to find out the truth, to make godly decisions. Because in 2 Samuel chapter 19, David is coming back to the city. If you don't know this, David wins, okay? His son dies, and we're going to look at that the next couple weeks. But as David is coming, marching back into town, right, they're celebrating him, they're worshiping him, they're honoring him. Guess who the first two people that are there to welcome him back? Look at here verse 15. Then the king returned and came to the Jordan. And Judah came to Gilgag to meet the king, to escort the king across the Jordan. And who is that? That's the same old joker that was throwing stones, kicking dirt, cursing him, mocking him, humiliating him. And not just him, but look what it says there. There were a thousand men of Benjamin with him. He didn't just come like he came last time. He brought everyone with him. He said, we all got to beg for mercy because I made a big boo-boo. 
He's like, we're so glad that you're back, King David. We're so glad that God has blessed you and God has been with you. But I want to show you the second yo-yo that we see. There were a thousand men of Benjamin with him and Ziba, the servant of the house of Saul, and his fifteen sons and his twenty servants with him. And they went over the Jordan before the king. The guy that lied to him, the guy that tried to deceive him, the guy that tried to steal Mephibosheth's inheritance comes up and says, we're so glad you're back. I want to leave you with this. Friends, most people will abandon you when you hit rock bottom. I wish I wasn't so negative, but it's true. Most people would rather spread a false rumor about you than stand up for you. Most people would rather lie about you to make themselves look good than to stand up. It's just the way it is. Church, the world, it's all the same. People are people. and Pride is pride. But I'm telling you what, David said, God, I'm going to trust you even if no one stands with me. But boy, when he come marching back into time, right back into town, those people that didn't want nothing to do with him, that mocked him, that lied to him, that falsely accused him. Oh, David, you're so wonderful. You're so amazing. You're so special. I don't know how many camels they had with them, but I'd have ran them over. That's the flesh right here. But David did not do what he did because of the praise of people or the cursing of people. David knew in whom he had believed. David knew the Lord. David wrote in Psalms 3, I think it's Psalms 41, Psalm 55, about what it was like to be betrayed by his son and his counselor and the people. And in every one of those Psalms he said, but none of it matters if God be with me. And friends, in the ups and downs of life, the up and down of marriage, the up and down of church, remember this one simple thing. He is where we put our eyes on. Well, I don't like the preaching. I don't like the singing. I don't, I don't like my Sunday school teacher. I don't like the temperature. None of it matters. You come and worship Jesus. You come and focus on Him and how He can break your change, how He can save your soul, how He can bring your prodigal children home, how He can heal your marriage, how He can allow you to raise your children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And if pastors fail, if deacons fail, if Sunday school teachers fail, if your favorite television preacher fails, if your spouse fails, none of it matters if He is enough. Friends, when you will do that, whether you have nothing or you have everything, You have it all. Don't let someone else rob you of what God wants to do in your life. Don't let someone in your home rob you of what God wants to do in your life. Be merciful. Be gracious. Extend all the mercy that you can and trust that God knows what He's doing. Father, we thank You so very, very much for who You are. Lord, I don't know the struggles, the pain, the heartache that's in these pews today. But God, I know that You do. And so Lord, I just pray right now for each and every one of them. Whether they're here today and they can thank You, God, because You've been with them through the valleys whether they are here today in the valleys and don't think there's a way out. 
for that person that's here today and doesn't think that you could really love them because of their past, because of their mistakes. Lord, today I just pray that your Holy Spirit would begin to convict them, begin to draw them, begin to work in them, and show them that you created them and that you love them. Father, whatever the needs are this morning, I pray that you would help us to be able to say, I'm going to follow you, Lord. I'm going to trust you. Lord, I just pray for forgiveness for anything I've said or done, Lord, that wasn't your will, your purpose, your plan. I pray, Lord, that you would work in a mighty way in this place today. That marriages, that homes, that families are not the same as when they came here. And Lord, I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.